Colossians chapter 2 this morning and continuing in our series there. Colossians chapter 2 where the Apostle Paul writes, I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. May the Lord open his word to our hearts. So since it's Thanksgiving, I thought I'd start with the end of that passage. And, uh, and as Paul says it there, he, he gives us a new perspective on what it means to be thankful. The last verse says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you'll overflow with thankfulness. And we kind of think that's what today's about, right? That's the goal, is to overflow with thankfulness. We want to remind ourselves of the good gifts we've been given. All the reasons we have to be thankful. And, uh, and to feel that. And to acknowledge it. And to give our praise to God for it. But what Paul says here is something unique. He, uh, he talks about the natural inco- outcome of what he's been talking about, and that thankfulness is the goal of the passage that I just read. It's, it's what he's saying to the Colossians, this small-town church that feels powerless, that's been challenged by outside voices telling them their faith is pointless, and there isn't much hope, and that they don't make a big difference in the world. And, and his response to them has been to encourage them and to strengthen them. And now he says to them, uh, uh, gives them some teaching and says, then you'll overflow with, thanks f- with thankfulness. And he uses this metaphor to describe what will cause us to overflow with thankfulness. He uses the metaphor of, of a tree and its roots. And it's, uh, it's no passing thankfulness for a moment or one good thing, but it's this overflowing thankfulness that just flows out of their lives because of what they're experiencing. And so Paul describes for them, he says, after accepting Christ, we continue to follow him. We let our roots grow deeply in him and build our lives on him. And then our faith grows strong and we overflow. And that's where the passage is headed. That's what he's trying to teach us about. How do we grow deep in our faith and grow until we overflow with thankfulness? And for that, he uses this metaphor, as I said, of the tree and its roots. And so I want to tell you the story of three trees. I don't know a lot about gardening, and uh, I know I'm stepping into territory that belongs more to Anna Myers than it does to me, but... Uh, when we bought our first house, it was quite a few years ago now, and our children were young, 
And uh, we were kind of 15 years into our marriage, so we weren't, we weren't like uh, early people, those smart people who gather money right away and make a down payment and invest in a house. We were, buying, we were kind of late bloomers. We were buying a house for the first time, and we shopped around. We were living in Markham at the time, and so we looked at houses, and none of them really fit the bill. When we finally found a house that was in our price range and that maybe we could fix up to be a decent house to live in, it had a lot of work to do. And one of the things we had to do was fix up the backyard. There was a lot of kind of neglect of the trees and stuff out there. And there were three trees, a couple of trees that we took down. One in particular, uh, we, we raised it to the ground. It was an old uh, tree. It wasn't uh, looking too well. And all into the spring and the summer, there were no leaves on it. It was gray and it looked dead. And we thought, this tree's got to go. It was... Uh, kind of a juniper that was maybe 60 feet tall and and uh, it was or no that's not that one there was a juniper that was that was 60 feet tall that was one of the ones we took down but one of them was this little gray tree in the back it was kind of overgrown it didn't have any branch any uh, leaves left on it it wasn't blooming no matter how far into the summer we got we figured this thing's dead like it's it's just a bunch of twigs sticking out of the ground at this point. And, and, it, and it's time to just get rid of it, and it'll open up some space. And so we cut it off right at the roots, as far down as we could go without uh, the aid of something to help get into the ground. So we, we had a, a bunch of roots left after we were done. That was it. And to our amazement, a few months later, we thought it was completely dead, but little green shoots started to shoot up from the stump. And we realized it was dormant, but it wasn't dead. It had been mostly dead all day, but it wasn't dead. And so it sprang back to life. Now, a couple of years later, living in that same house, I remember down the street, there was this massive tree that was doing really well. It was a big fir tree. It had to be 60 to 80 feet tall. Like, it was massive, 15 feet around. And it was in front of this house. And, and, and we noticed this year that uh, they put up a, a for sale sign on the lawn and they'd sold their house then it was sold and and it had this massive tree that blocked the front of the house if if that's your kind of thing and you're looking for privacy in the city this tree would definitely do it it was enough to provide you some shelter and then uh, there was a big windstorm that spring and this tree came up by its roots i have never seen a set of roots like that the roots were as big as the tree almost, and, and they were massive. There was a hole, a crater in the lawn. You, you'd think that a meteor dropped from the sky and hit the lawn of this place. It was just gone. It was over, and this massive tree was, was gone in no time. They had a big hole in the lawn. They'd already sold the house. The new owners, uh, I don't know what they thought when they knew the tree was gone. I, I noticed a couple weeks later they planted a new tree, but it was like a little brand new tree. It's going to be a long time before that tree hit the girth of the one that they lost. So I thought it was funny. Our little dead, spindly, gray, looking dead tree springs back to life. But nothing was going to bring this big, massive Christmas tree behemoth back to life. It was pulled up by the roots and it was dead. Trees live and die on their roots. Third tree I want to tell you about. I find kind of amazing. It's, uh, we travel, and uh, you probably heard me tell stories about traveling to the desert before. I love the desert down in Nevada and Arizona. And one of our trips, 
we went down there to Utah and went to all the national parks. I only thought of Utah for Mormons before, but when we went, we hit Arches National Park and Canyonlands and Bryce Canyon and Zion and, and just some beautiful areas of the world where God's kind of sculpted out of rock some real incredible sights to look at. And when we went there, uh, we, I, like I said, I'm not a real plant guy, but I really noticed these trees, these really interesting looking, it's almost like Dr. Seuss kind of trees. And, uh, and we learned a little bit on one of our guided tours about these trees. They're Utah junipers. And uh, these trees are kind of amazing because they, they have a root system that, that keeps them watered in the middle of a desert. And they grow up and they can grow over to get a little more sunshine. And so the branches grow in one direction. And uh, if, if there's more of what they need that way, there's lots of sun there, but, but water's a little more scarce. So one of the things that's amazing about this tree is they can grow up out of the ground and then over about 100 feet and then lay down new roots. Like they grow themselves towards an area where they might be able to get water and then they put down new roots and they self-prune. They cut off the old from getting supply of water back to the old root system. They're like, that's useless now. So they cut that off and other branches that are dead, they'll kind of cut off so that they can keep some of the branches alive and so that the tree will survive. So it's almost like the tree was here and then it grows over and it puts down new roots and puts them up and lets that go and, and the, now the tree has moved. Have you ever seen that happen in your yard? Yeah, me neither. The roots of that tree are really amazing because they can set down roots where they need to be to get what they need to survive as a tree. And I tell you those stories because trees do live and die by their roots. They need their roots. They need to drop moisture and nutrients from the soil so that they can live. Even I know that. And some trees can seem to be dead. And some need to be raised to the ground. Some need to be pruned. Some there's nothing you can do for them. If their roots aren't intact and if their roots aren't plugged into nutrient-rich soil, they just can't be in the ground. They got to be in the right ground to drop what they need to stay alive. And that's what Paul's talking about here. When he talks about this overflowing with thankfulness, he says, let your roots grow down into Christ. Let your roots grow down into Christ. Let them grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you are taught. And you'll overflow with thankfulness. He says to the Colossians and to us, if you let your roots grow down into Jesus, there's life in that. And it keeps you going. And it, 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 it provides life in ways that nothing else can. And so he says to the Colossians, I, I've heard about you guys. You guys love Jesus. You, you, your faith is strong and, and, and you're good to each other. But, but you, you, you just need to keep your roots strong. He says, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Like you started off on good footing. Just as you committed your lives to Jesus. Just as you accepted him as your Lord, you got to keep going and you got to keep digging and your roots have to grow strong in him so that you can weather whatever life throws at you. 
And there's life in him that provides a life that means that you'll survive and you'll thrive despite anything that life throws at you and what the elements outside of you are. But how do we do that? How do we act like a Utah juniper and put our roots in the right spot and into Christ and and, and lock in? And, And that's what Paul's trying to teach us here this morning. And so knowing that's where he's going, he's going to tell us how to draw our roots down, how to tap into Jesus, how to tap into the power for life that he gives us, and consequently to overflow with thankfulness. And so Paul says, I want you to know how much I've agonized for you, as he begins. I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. You get what he's saying here? Uh, As we said before, he's writing from a prison cell. He's in jail and he's writing to churches to encourage them in their faith. And this particular church, he's never met them. This is not one of the churches that he started. This is not one of the churches where he walked into town and tried to tell people about Jesus and they start to follow him and, and he nurtures the church into life. He's never met these guys, but he says, I want you to know how much I agonize for you. Like I'm in jail, I got my own problems, right? I've got stuff I'm challenged with. I'm going through this stuff. But I want you to know that when I'm writing you, I'm not writing you to tell you, boy, it's really tough here. Maybe you should help me out. I'm writing to tell you how much I agonize for you. And for the other church at Laodicea. And for many other believers who have never met me personally. All kinds of churches around. I've never met them. I've never been there. They don't know me. I don't know them. But I think about them. I agonize for them. He suffers and and works and toils because he cares what happens to them. And he says, here's what I want for you. I want you to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I'd mentioned that in his opening Thanksgiving. He said, I've I've heard about how you love everyone, how you love the other believers. And then he talked to them about loving everybody, like beyond the believers, out out into the world. But here he says to them, "I, I, I agonize for you. I want all these people that I've never met, all these believers who are growing in their faith, I want them to grow and I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. That's the first thing he tells them about what it means to tap into Jesus. He says, if you're going to, if you're going to be rooted in something that brings you life, you're going to need this. You're going to need other believers. You're going to need the body of Christ. And so he says, I want them to be knit, encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. Because that's what we do when we gather. It isn't just about singing some nice songs. It isn't about listening just to the sermon. What you do with each other when we gather is really important. The fact that you are here, you could watch a sermon online and you can probably find some maybe a little bit better than mine. If you really hunt. And you might be able to find music that's almost as good as Coralie and the team. But, and our other worship teams, of course, who are all excellent, at least in my opinion. But even though you could get music at home, and even though you could watch and listen to lots of different sermons at home, 
You could gather in your house and do this, but if you're all by yourself and you're not being encouraging to anyone, there's something that's missing in your experience of the church. And so Paul says, I want you to be knit together. Like, I want you guys to be in strong relationship. And I want you to just come and, and listen to something when you gather with the church. You've got a role here. And part of it is being encouraged and being encouraging. And sometimes you come to church, and on the way to church, you realize, I'm not in the right head frame for this. I, I, it was really hard to get up this morning. And God bless you if you put in the effort, even when you're having a bad day, to show up in church. Because sometimes you show up and you really need to be encouraged. You ever come in here and start singing and go, I'm really not feeling it this morning, but I felt like I should go to church. And, and even, even while you're sitting waiting for church to start, you're wondering, was this a mistake? Should I have just stayed in bed? Like, I'm not going to be able to really sing my heart this morning. And something happens as you're worshiping. As you're focusing on Jesus, all of a sudden your heart kind of changes and you start to feel a little more buoyant. And, and, and the rough time you had at home or the fight you had with your family in the car on the way here just melts away. And God shows up. And you sense him doing something in you. And you're encouraged. And other people around you have smiled at you on the way in. And, and they've started to melt your exterior. And, and people are welcoming you. And you feel part of things. And all of a sudden, the experience of what we're doing together for each other and with each other just becomes something that knits us together in a way that you don't feel alone. And you don't feel isolated. And, and, and the problems and pressures that you felt alone in facing, you don't feel alone anymore. Is that just me? Paul says, I want them to be knit together and encouraged. And that's, that's one important way that we, we sink our roots into Jesus. Our relationship to each other is the church, being encouraged and knit together. And that's why we gather, part of why we gather. And then he says, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Sometimes we face life and we feel like if I just had the right answers, if I could just figure out the secrets, if I could get the keys, it's why the self-help section in the bookstores are always running out of copies. Because everybody's looking for the secret to a good life, to a happy life, to a content life. They're looking for purpose and meaning. And, and so they look to those sections of the bookstore and, and, and they watch videos. And, and the titles on videos sometimes are very telling. If you flip through, it, it's, it's if, if I could figure that out, that would make my life a little better. I'd be a little more complete, a little more able to do the things I love to do. And, and that's what I want to do. He says, uh, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan. Like, I don't want them to just get some knowledge. I want them to know and to be able to face life going, yep, I know exactly what I need to do here. I know what God's mysterious, sometimes God's plan feels mysterious, but, but I, 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 I got it. I think I figured it out. I know what I have to do to follow him. And he says, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ. It's him. Like, it's just, it's just him. 
And if we understand him, we understand his plan. If we see how he lived when he was here, if we understand his character, we know what life's all about because the whole secret is wrapped up in Jesus. He says, in him lie hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Like everything we need to know and everybody wisdom we need to have in order to apply that knowledge exactly right to our situation and just live really well, it all springs from Jesus. In him is the secret to the entire universe and how to live well and how to have a great life, how to live with wisdom and the right kind of knowledge. And understanding Jesus is a lifelong pursuit. It's, it's why we have sermons and it's why we gather in home groups and Bible studies and uh, study the Bible together so we understand Jesus better. So we can know what he's about. Not so that we can impress other people with how smart we are about the Bible, but so that we can live it out and, and have our lives impacted by it and shaped by it so that our lives bring fulfillment and contentment and we can live like hardcore 100% the incredible adventure it is that, that it is to follow Jesus. And Paul knows that doing that, there's all kinds of other voices that compete with the voice of Jesus telling us how to really live. And so he says, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. He says there are people that will argue against that and say that's dumb. And, and I want you to know that so you can recognize the other counterfeit arguments about what life is about and how you can be satisfied. Because those arguments just fall flat and they're not going to lead to life. They're not going to dig you into the right kind of soil. They're not going to draw up abundant life the way Jesus does. He says, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far from you, my heart's with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. He tells them they're living as they should and their faith in Christ is strong. But he says, now you just need to keep going deeper into Jesus. That there's not just giving your life to him. It's not just committing your life to him or making him Lord of your life, but he says, you got to grow deep. You got to stay plugged into the church and you got to stay plugged into to, to the wisdom that Jesus gives you for life. And you got to understand what life's all about. And, and he's the source of understanding all of that. And if you don't understand it, if you don't understand life, and if you don't have uh, a supportive, encouraging, knit together community of believers, whatever that group looks like, then you're going to miss out on real life. And even though you may believe in him, and even though you may have committed your life to follow him, you're never going to grow deep and rich in that soil and drop the nutrients you need to really grow into what you were born to be and to live the abundant life that Jesus promised you. Because he's the only source for that. He's the only place you can get it. And so we gather this morning on Thanksgiving and, and we think of all our material blessings. We typically talk about how we have food and clothes and shelter and all the good material blessings God gives us that we have jobs to go to and, and we're thankful for all those things and we gather with family and we're thankful for our families. And then after our big Thanksgiving turkey dinner, whether you're having that this afternoon or tomorrow, 
we kind of feel that fullness and that, uh, you know, that sense that if we can let our belt out one more notch and, and just feel full and happy and content after a good turkey dinner, then we, we can count our blessings and all of those things, our family, our friends, our jobs, our, our, our cars, our houses, our food, our, our everything, and especially our full bellies, that all those things make us feel content and bring us comfort. <clears throat> and we're thankful for all those things, but Paul is telling us about another level of, of thankfulness. He says, that's all good, but, but if you want to understand real thankfulness, if you want to overflow with thankfulness so that it's just gushing out of you, so that you just feel content and full and happy and just grateful to be alive, and you plug into Jesus and you grow deep in him, and you make your life's commitment to be part of the family of faith and to draw nutrients from the wisdom of his teaching and the example of his life until your life starts to look like his because you're feeding from him. And if you want to be really thankful, then you need to grow your roots, church. You need to tap into Jesus and his church and grow in your faith and you will have a reason to overflow with the greatest and best kind of thankfulness because of the blessing that he is that surpasses jobs and money and food and shelter and even turkey. Let's pray together. God, this morning we are thankful for so many things and uh, we wouldn't have time to list them all if we were to stop and, and count them. If we understood really the things that you've given us, the things that we've noticed and the things where you were behind the scenes just creating situations that would uh, save us from harm and, and provide us with joy and, uh, and satisfaction. But more than anything this morning, Father, we want to overflow with the kind of thankfulness that the Apostle Paul was talking about to the Colossians and that you made sure got written down so that we could read it and understand it. That we would grow deep in you. For some of us, we've already committed our lives to you and, and decided that you're our Lord. And we've begun to grow and we've gathered with the church over and over again, but but we know that there is always room for growth. Father, we don't want to rest on our laurels, but we want to be uh, so thankful and so full. We want to feed off of you and all the good gifts you provide us, especially our gift of each other as the body of Christ. And we want to draw from you and from your church what we need to live such full lives that we are not just mildly content or periodically thankful, but so that we overflow with thankfulness constantly because we have everything we need and so much more. Not in those material blessings, but in you and in your kingdom and everything you provide for us. Be with us as we spend more time encouraging each other Help us to hear voices around us as we sing our final song this morning and, and as we go from this place and we, uh, we greet each other at the door, help us to be thankful for the gift you've given us in this place 
to connect with you and each other in such a deep way that we draw life and wisdom and uh, are able to go from this place more alive than when we gathered. We pray in Jesus' name, in whom is all life. Amen.